Hello, Kaylee family. It is uh, Sunday, December 3rd, and we're continuing our Advent series today with the uh, Candle of Hope as we talk about the song of Mother Mary, Mary, the mother of Jesus, singing what we call the Magnificat in our history and Christian tradition. Now, uh, it's unusual for me to do the sermon this way. I haven't done it this way uh, since we started weekly worship at Kaylee Community. We actually decided to drop our live stream uh, a few weeks ago. You probably noticed that. And there were a couple of reasons for that. But mainly it came down to we couldn't do it with the quality that it should have been done with just because of various reasons. Probably the biggest issue is that, believe it or not, in this mess of beautiful new neighborhoods and this beautiful new shopping center where Kaylee Community worships, there is no commercial high-speed internet. There's none. And so most of us who work here and volunteer here, we go home for the high-speed internet. <laughs> and That's where I'll edit this video. That's where I'll post this video so I can record it. But I can't do much with it here, and a hotspot or cell service isn't always good enough to do a quality live stream. We also need to secure increased funding to improve our equipment so that our live stream has better video and better audio quality so that you can really hear the music and the speaking and the sermon uh, all together. And we also thought that, you know, during the service in person, it's so interactive. I do a lot of back and forth with the congregation and the worship that it would be better for us to do something different for the online community. So my deepest desire is that you come in person if you are able, because I think it's so important for people to be involved in church in a real physical way. It's important to have physical touch to hold hands, to hug one another. It's important to have eye contact with other human beings. It's important to see smiles and to cry tears together. As Paul says, weep with those who weep, mourn with those who mourn. It's very important that you do life in person, in real life. But I know that the world we live in requires us to live digitally sometimes. You might be traveling you might be sick, or you might be a caregiver taking care of someone who can't leave the house. And so we want to make sure that we still can provide you with some spiritual food to get you through your week. Just know that I am always willing to visit in person. If you need that uh, physical presence of a human being in your life, I'll come sit with you, hang out with you. Never met a cup of coffee I did not like, so uh, invite me over. I'll come hang out with you. But hopefully uh, you're okay with this temporary measure where we post our digital sermon online until we get our live stream concept developed and raise some funds and get internet in this church. Until then, we'll try to do it this way as much as possible. So today we find ourselves in Luke chapter 1, the candle of hope, and I love to do the song of Mary for the candle of hope. So listen to the words of scripture. Luke chapter 1, starting in verse 46. Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has looked with favor on the lowliness of a servant girl. Surely from now on all generations will call me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for me, and holy is his name. His mercy is for those who fear him 
from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He's brought down the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. He's filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy, according to the promise he made to our ancestors, to Abraham and to his descendants forever. Uh, Christ is the word of God for the people of God, and we say, thanks be to God. I love this song so much. It says Mary said, but I can't help but picture that maybe Mary sang this. It just seems like that would have been the case. You know the story. Mary has gone to visit her cousin, her distant cousin, Elizabeth, who's much older. And Elizabeth is pregnant with John the baptizer. And when they meet, the babies sort of feel each other's energy. And John the baptizer is leaping in Elizabeth's womb, just so excited that He's come into the presence of the Messiah, the the anointed one, the chosen one of God. And so even from the womb, John is prophesying that the Messiah is here. And Elizabeth tells Mary, uh, John's jumping in my tummy. Isn't this so exciting? And then Mary bursts into this song. Teenage Mary, young Mary sings this beautiful song. Loaded with theology and loaded with the history of Israel, but a beautiful song nonetheless. In this Sunday of hope, I wonder if you can think back to a time where you felt hopeless. Now, if you've never felt that way, part of me wants to say congratulations. (laughs) Like, wow, I wish I were you and I've never felt hopeless in my life. But then again, part of me wants to say, look out, because I think every human being at some point is going to know what it feels like to feel hopeless. And the better your life is, the harder it is to experience hopelessness. If you've been blessed your whole life with uh, finances, with a good healthy family, went to good schools, lived in a safe neighborhood, never worried where your food or clothing or shelter was going to come from, uh, mental health is strong, I'm jealous of you (laughs) and I'm glad for you, but I worry that when a real test or trial comes your way, it will be very hard to navigate and so stick with your church community because we'll be here to walk through it with you when you do find yourself in a hopeless-seeming situation. But for the rest of us, uh, we've probably experienced hopelessness in some way or another. For some of us, we've had that experience of uh, losing a loved one, maybe a, a grandparent or a parent or even a child, And that can make you feel just utterly hopeless. Like, why am I on this earth? It's so painful to go through some of those things. For some of us, we've experienced hopelessness in uh, difficult childhoods and trauma. And growing out of that, we have a hard time overcoming that and feeling hopeful about the future. Because the past has been so hard. For some of you, you may have experienced a, a job loss. And the the absolute fear of how you're going to provide for your family. And it can feel hopeless as you search for jobs and apply and you don't hear anything back. And the bills keep coming in. That's really stressful and painful. For some of you, you have a a relationship that fell apart or is falling apart. A marriage or a partnership that 
uh, is not working like it used to, if it ever worked at all. And so you're struggling with hopelessness that, well, I can't get out of this relationship. I want to be faithful and, and continue to partner with this person, but I'm also so stressed in this environment. And I, I feel like for my health, I need to get out of it. And it can feel hopeless, like you're trapped, right? I've been there in my life in the past. Think back to that time when you felt hopeless. I say this because Mary had every reason to feel hopeless. I mean, it's almost impossible for us to really understand Mary's life. We have to try really hard to put ourselves in Mary's sandals. This is a young girl in first century Palestine. What that means is that her town, her her county, her entire nation was ruled over by an oppressing colonial power called the Roman Empire. There were Roman soldiers who served as quote-unquote police officers who could do whatever they wanted to whoever they wanted, whenever they wanted. And so we know that there must have been all kinds of exploitation of people. These soldiers, in cahoots sometimes with local tax collectors, would take way more money than they were supposed to, so that they could ingratiate themselves. These soldiers surely took advantage of young girls and young boys in ways that we don't want to talk about, because it's gross and it's evil. These soldiers had complete authority and control over anyone's body, over anyone's life at any given moment in time. In other words, life was very, very fragile, and it could go from really blessed and rich in one moment to utter catastrophe in the next, just by a sideways look to a Roman soldier. Pile on top of that, that most people in this time lived in poverty, what we would consider poverty. They lived meal to meal, hand to mouth. They had to grow most of their own stuff that they would eat or trade what they grew with other people in order to have enough food. So they lived in oftentimes dirt floor caves or houses built on the caves so they could keep their animals in the back part where the caves were in the cold. They didn't own a lot of property. There weren't a ton of trades available. There were some. And so in the case of Jesus, we know as his adopted dad, Joseph, was a carpenter. Jesus would have followed and learned carpentry. But most people just grew their own food and raised their own livestock, and that's how they got by. But even though most people lived in poverty, you think about Mary, she would be the poorest of the poor because she was essentially a child and she was a female child. That meant that she had no rights, no legal rights, no financial rights, no power, no privilege, nothing. She was the lowest of the low on the scale. No one had less than a young female in first century Palestine. There were even male slaves that were treated better than young girls in first century Palestine. I'm not suggesting that Mary's parents were mean to her or anything. I just mean that the, the society was, well, they, they just held no value for young girls at all. And yet, this young girl would change the world. Now, I say all this to say that Mary had every right to be hopeless. 
She had every right to feel like there was nothing in her future. Her husband was going to be chosen for her, and in fact has been chosen for her. And we don't know how old Joseph is. Mary may be 12, 13, 14 years old, and Joseph may be 20 or 30 or 60. We don't know. And it's possible that he was older because he seems to have passed on by the time Jesus is crucified and rises. He's not mentioned at all after Jesus' childhood. But Mary's basically told who she's going to marry, what her life is going to look like, and then she's told, oh yeah, you're going to have a baby and it's not your husband's. She had every reason to be hopeless, stressed beyond belief, triggered out of her mind, not knowing what the future was going to look like. And yet in this moment, she found hope in an interesting place. Now, it's important for us to say hope in the Bible is not the same thing as hope in 21st century America. When I say, I I hope it rains today, or I hope it doesn't rain today, that's more like just sort of a casual desire. I just kind of hope it doesn't happen or it does happen. But hope in the Bible is an eager anticipation or even an expectation that something will happen. And it's not just an expectation that something will happen on blind faith, but this hope is based on what we've seen God do in the past. You see, hope is tied up with God in the Bible. Anybody who has hope in the Holy Scriptures is someone who knows God's promises and has seen God keep those promises in the past. And that's the beauty of Mary's song. You see, she says she has this hope because she can see what God has done in the past and she can trust that God will continue to do it in the future. She says that God's mercy is from generation to generation. She's looking back and seeing how God has been merciful in the past. And if God has done it then, then God will do it now. She talks about how God has shown strength in the past and scattered the proud in the past. Even her own people, God scattered out of Israel and into Babylon because they were proud. She remembers that God brought down powerful people, that God is way more powerful than Donald Trump or Joe Biden or anyone else, (laughs) that God has fed the hungry. Think about that. For someone who probably lived hand to mouth, that probably didn't know where every single meal was coming from, she knew that the meals she had came only by the grace of God. And she looked to the past and remembers, in verse 55, that God has made a promise to our ancestors that applies to us. A promise to Abraham, the father of Judaism. A promise to Abraham's descendants, of which Mary is one. And so Mary reflects back on the promises of God and says, if God did it then, God can do it again. And so I trust and I have hope that God is good and God will keep God's promises. You see, in the midst of hopelessness, what Mary had to do was look for God. We talked about this last week during the Sunday of Peace. Remember, I said Christ is in all things, and so when we're feeling anxious or like we've lost our peace, we look for God around us, in the people around us, in nature around us, in the ways God's provided for us. So if I'm feeling anxious, worrying about uh, my job being taken away, 
what I can do is look right here and now and see that I'm provided for right here and now. I can look and see the roof over my head or uh, the food in the refrigerator and feel some sense of peace that God's provided for me and so God will continue to provide. That's where peace transitions to hope. I remind myself of what God has done in the past and the promises God has made and it helps me to have hope about the future that God will continue to do such things. You see how all this works together. If we look for God in the present, that gives us peace. If we look for God in the past, it gives us hope for the future. And that's very, very important. When I think of the Song of Mary, I think this young teenage girl probably was singing very literally. She was thinking very deliberately about God actually kicking out the Roman Empire and bringing in prosperity to the Jewish people in her place. She was thinking not spiritually necessarily, but very much in the here and now and the physical and the way her life was going to be. But I think her song invites all of us to consider what this means for us individually and corporately as a church. To look at what God has done in the past and help give us hope for the future. So I can't do that for you individually. But one thing you could do this week is think about where God has provided for you in the past or where God has been there for you in the past. And that should fill you with hope that God will do something like that again in the future. It's really important if you're feeling hopeless in this Christmas season to remember that. But what we can do, I can't do that for you individually. You have to do that on your own time. But what we can do together is think about what God has done for our church. We're coming up on the one-year anniversary of Cayley Community, January 1st, 2024. It'll be one year since we started. And I was thinking about this as I was looking at the, the Facebook group. We have something like 337 members in our group. I thought, how cool would it be if we got to 365 members before the end of the year? Because that would mean we added a new member every day of the year in 2023. It's just kind of a psychological victory. It doesn't really mean anything. But it is something that says that over the last year, we've reached a lot of people. We've touched a lot of lives. And that's something we can look back to and be excited about. Because one year ago, Kaylee Community didn't exist. The word Kaylee wasn't even in anyone's vocabulary except mine because I'm a nerd and I'm Irish. But it was Christmas break last year where I was staying up late into the night praying, trying to think of a name for this church because I knew on January 1st it was going to launch. And I needed to know what it was going to be called, what it was going to look like. And I spent all of Christmas break from Christmas Eve when I stopped my appointment at Mustang United Methodist Church to New Year's Day, I had one week <laughs> to pray through this and figure this out. What were we going to call this new faith community? And now I look back. One year ago, this didn't exist, not even on paper. And yet today, it not only exists, but dozens and dozens of people come into this building every week and worship God open the Holy Scriptures together, share in communion together, will eventually share in baptism together, share meals together, do life together. Some of you have invited each other into your homes. 
You've prayed for one another. You've texted and checked in on one another throughout the week. And none of that was true a year ago for this community. Look what God has done in a year. God has given us over $250,000 in grant money. Some of it spread out over multiple years, yes. But that's amazing that God has done that. And if we see that God has done that in the last year, what kind of hope can we have for what God's going to do in the next year? There's a lot of hope there, y'all. It's very exciting. So in the moment, whether it's right now, a week from now, a year from now, a decade from now, in the moment when you're feeling hopeless, I want you to just pause and take a moment and remind yourself of what God has done in the past. And remember that God will do it again in the future. And that is how you can have hope, even in the midst of the hardest of times. Let's listen to Mary, the one who we all call blessed, the mother of God, who reminds us what it's like to have hope. Amen? Amen.